Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 3 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread, and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome to another conversation on the Common Ground's Unity Podcast. We're delighted to have you back with us this week. We're going to be having another conversation with Mike Cope in just a couple of moments. Hopefully you had the opportunity to listen to the podcast uh, last time. Our last uh, podcast was with Mike, and we talked about a host of subjects related to unity and ministry and things of that nature. Today we're going to specifically talk with Mike about um, Harbor, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, I want to welcome back Sarah Allen. Sarah is co-hosting with uh, me again on the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. She is doing this for the second time. She is going to be a junior next year at Johnson University. She's studying ministry. She's uh, currently involved in an internship with a church plant. Sarah, welcome back. Glad to have you with us. Tell us a yeah, little bit about you. your experience. We mentioned this last week at Next Gen. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, yeah, so I applied um, for the Next Generation Preacher Search in, I think, the fall of, uh, I guess, 2022. Uh, so I applied for that and um, waited and got accepted to be a semifinalist uh, over Christmas break. And then I flew out to Malibu and did uh, the Next Generation Preacher Search uh, event in February. Um, and then later in the spring, I found out that I was uh, chosen as an ambassador. So I got to come back out in, at the beginning of May and preach at the Harbor Bible Lectures, which was a huge opportunity and such a blessing to make connections with other people who are passionate about God and uh, sharing His Word. Well, terrific. And, and you'd recommend aspiring preachers to participate, to apply? Absolutely. Absolutely. You will grow so much. <laughs> um, it challenges you a lot um, and it humbles you as well. Um, you you really have to uh, trust a lot of your message and what you worked hard on into really smart and amazing people, um, which again, it, it was just such a blessing to learn from people that you've probably grown up looking up to. Um, so it, yeah, just just such a blessing for sure. Oh, terrific, Sarah. That's hope, hope others will hear you and consider it. It's it's pretty good place to do a week as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Not, not a bad place to have to live for. Yeah. Well, terrific. Well, speaking about um, Pepperdine University and some of the ministries they offer and, and resources to the churches, we've got Mike Cope back with us today. And uh, I gave a lengthier introduction to Mike last week. Um, Mike has been in ministry all of his life. He uh, came out of uh, Harding and Harding grad school going into preaching and has preached um, in various places in the country. Uh, started out in North Carolina at a, uh, at a friend of mine's congregation where he grew up. 
um, and then went to the College Church in Searcy, Arkansas, near Harding, and then to the Highland Church in Abilene. He's uh, preached for the Golf Course Road Church in Midland, and then then has done interim work since kind of stepping out of full-time preaching ministry in a number of places as well. In addition to that, he's been an author. He's authored five books. Uh, he has uh, coordinated programs at, at different places like um, Pepperdine University, where he currently works with the Department of Church Services and directs uh, both the Harbor Pepperdine Bible Lectures and uh, Pepperdine's Sanctuary, the Thriving in Ministry program, uh, leads some cohorts of ministries and of ministers, I should say, uh, in different places, encouraging, pouring into, mentoring. He's been an editor of several prominent journals, Wineskins and 21st Century Christian. So, boy, he's, his work has been extensive in the life of Churches of Christ. And we hope our listeners that are listening in from other streams of the Stone Campbell movement uh, are maybe being introduced for the first time to Mike and some of the things he's doing. He's got a lot ahead, we pray. Uh, and, and we want you to know him better for those that uh, haven't had the opportunity to know Mike and his work. Mike, welcome back. So glad to have you with us. Thanks, Kevin. Good to be with you. It, I've loved these chances to be with churches, do some interim ministry. One of my favorites is I did an extended time with the Bamel Church in Houston not too long ago, and um, I started the year and we were declaring it a year of joy. So I did four messages. The series was called Ode to Joy, and I ended the series in COVID hit. So it was kind of, we got to experience joy in very different ways as I uploaded sermons from Abilene to the, to the internet, and, uh, but, but we all had unusual years. So yeah, absolutely. I watched a couple of your sermons on the yeah. internet for BAML during that yeah. time. So yeah, sometimes we've got these great plans of what we're moving into this season and God's got something else in mind. It turns out that, um, it wouldn't work for happiness. Happiness is binary, but it works for joy. You can, oh, you can go through a season that's, like that with joy. That's right. Well, Sarah, since you you recently experienced some of the good things happening at uh, Pepperdine, why don't you kick off our conversation with Mike regarding Harbor? Yeah, thank you so much. Well, Mike, many of our listeners may not be aware of Harbor Pepperdine Bible Lectures. So can you just kind of talk to us about Harbor and especially about Pepperdine? I'd be happy to, Sarah. And uh, again, good to good to be with you here. I'm sorry I didn't. This was my one year not to get to be at Next Gen this past year when you were there. I was speaking for uh, the Pepperdine International Program in Switzerland, and um, I know it's a terrible gig that somebody's got to do. <laughs> but uh, my flight back got canceled, so I had to call Jeff Walling and uh, provide a mea culpa and. Um, he grabbed somebody to be one of the coaches for me, but I'm, I'm so glad to meet you now. I'm stuck in Switzerland. Yes, stuck in Switzerland. It was tough. Yeah. Um, I started going to Pepperdine in 1986. And it's interesting as a kid that grew up in Churches of Christ in Missouri, having gone to Harding, I vaguely knew that there was a connection with Pepperdine, but it wasn't until 86 that I really understood that this is uh, the faith heritage, Churches of Christ of George Pepperdine, and that there's a deep commitment to the American Restoration Movement, and uh, in particular to Churches of Christ at Pepperdine, always has been, still is, still is now with President Gash. Um, over half the board uh, belongs to uh, Churches of Christ. 
a lot of the leaders there, and they're fully behind these events that are there, the, the events that Jeff Walling leads, the events I lead. But specifically, you asked about Harbor. This was the 80th annual Harbor Lectures, and I kept having people say, does that count COVID? And I said, oh, I'm counting COVID years. <laughs> we still had to put those programs together. They were even harder because we were uploading them, doing them online. But So it's been 80 years. One of the first things I did when I took over in um, 2013 uh, was start working on renaming. It was always the Pepperdine Bible Lectureship. And at the time, my sons were 30 and 20, and they were both like, Dad, you got a lectureship? You can't call something lectureship. Well, that <laughs> did fit an earlier time, but uh, the, the name that kept arising in my soul was Harbor. We're right there on the Pacific Ocean. And for me, through all of those years, when life felt like it was a turmoil, when our daughter was sick after our daughter had died, when there was controversy stirring dur during all those years, Every year since 1986, I'd gone back to Pepperdine and found a harbor for my soul. So that's that's what I hope happens. I do hope there are lectures and good content and so on, but much broader than that, the kind of refreshment and protection that comes from being with fellow believers, with um, the times of worship, hiking the mountains, walking the beach, uh, whatever one needs there. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. Could you talk to us a little bit more about your role at Pepperdine as Director of Ministry Outreach and also directing Harbor and the other initiatives that you're involved in? Sure. I, I've got kind of four major roles. There's, there's some other things, but I, I started just Director of Harbor, but it became clear to me soon that there are other things that are really needed. And in my attention, especially on churches west of the Rockies. Now we're concerned about all other places too, but this world that Pepperdine is is in. So I direct three Lilly-sponsored um, initiatives for Pepperdine. This is from the Eli Lilly Pharmacy Company. They're, they're, they put their money where their beliefs were, and they have $40 billion with a B dollars in the Lilly Endowment. And out of that, they try to bless churches and ministers. So I've had a chance to write for three of these different programs. And each time Lily has given us a million dollars to use for ministry. So I often tell people much of my job at Pepperdine is I parlay drug money into ministry. <laughs> Keeping in mind that we're talking about uh, big pharma here. We're talking about the, the generosity of the Lily company. So one of them, the first one is, um, they called it Thriving in Ministry. I named ours Sanctuary. So I remember telling somebody uh, that we were calling it Sanctuary, and they said, so you renamed the Lectureship Harbor. You renamed this one Sanctuary. Did something bad happen to you in ministry? And I said, well, something bad happens to everybody. Lots of blessings happen, but, but it's challenging. So in this, we bring together a cohort. And we focus on those four things I alluded to in the last podcast, things that have to do with well-being and the soul of a person and relationships and emotional maturity, where you stand as the beloved of God, even in the midst of, of conflict. So that's the first one. The second one, Lily called Thriving, in, uh, Thriving Congregations. Uh, I, I called ours the Restoration Initiative. So each year we bring together churches that are near each other. This year we're in the Central Valley and have churches from 
the north side of Sacramento all the way down to um, Visalia, south of Fresno. So we, we come together. We meet in the middle of Modesto six times this year. and we, we have programs to think together about what it means to be the people of God today. We've got one coming up where we'll talk about what does evangelism look like the, uh, today. Todd Bolsinger is going to join us in October to talk about bold leadership today and so on. So that's what that program is about. The third one we were just awarded is called Compelling Preaching. So uh, Lily, the Lily Endowment was concerned about the state of preaching in the country. What needs may there be, especially with the changes in social media, new opportunities. Uh, they're concerned about the number of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, of people leaving the church. So Pepperdine's received, and I'll be directing this, uh, this third program on Compelling Preaching. About 30% of that, Jeff Walling's going to lead, and it'll be for uh, aspiring preachers. And so he'll continue working with NextGen that you participated in, Sarah, and expand that to some er other ways where Jeff can help raise up another generation of preachers. And then about 70% of it, uh, at least the money flow uh, in, in the grant, will go toward active preachers. Uh, each year, we're going to bring together cohorts of preachers and work together on improving preaching, thinking about what it means to be missional, how you lead a church, along with the basics of content, craft, and delivery of sermons. Um, so I think a part of that's going to be a podcast. So I may be coming to you guys saying, how do you do this? But uh, we're going to look for as many ways as we can to try to bless churches in the American Restoration Movement that way. Well, I love that. I, I love the, the cohort concept, bringing people together in ministry, pouring into them. Um, th that's exciting work, exciting to hear. Your work with the lectureship, what a big undertaking every year. I, I know that you put a lot of deliberation and prayer into picking speakers. And, you know, this year, this theme, God Loves Forever, um, great theme. I think you drew that from from uh, Tom Albright's uh work. Uh, one of the, one of the keynotes, well, I've heard so many great classes and lectures there through the years, but one this year tended to resonate with a lot of people that I spoke to. And I think it was near to your heart as well, because it was delivered by a, a close personal friend of yours. Um, Richard Beck, uh, gave a keynote message, uh, reconciled in love and boy, both Karen and I, my wife, we were uh, so moved by it, um, it, so impressed by it. And again, through conversations, so many others were as well. It was uh, very inspiring and I think so relevant to the needs of our people. Uh, surely you have hopes that this theme and message will impact us as a people of God. Why do you suppose this particular theme and this message seem to resonate so strongly with people at the lectures this year and now beyond? Because I've passed that on to a lot of folks. I've thought about that. I've I, yeah, a lot of folks need to hear it. Yeah. And um, so the larger context is every other year at Harbor, I moved from biblical text to theological theme. So 2023 was one of the theological theme years. So the theme was the love of God. And I knew one of the keynotes would be on the meaning of the death of Christ. That is, that's an important theme to me because you could you can go lots of ways with that. And so I turned to my friend. Uh, he's not just a friend. He's an elder at my church. And um, uh, let, 
let me just mention to people who happen to listen to it. Richard's got a popular theological blog. That's how a lot of people know him. But the truth is at Highland, if you need somebody to set up the chairs, uh, to drive the handicapped van, to go to the prison, to serve on search committees, whatever it is, Jan and Richard Beck are going to be right there. These are, these are church people. I mean, these are the real thing. And, and so uh, I asked Richard to do it. And not only that, some may not know, he's a, he's a psychologist. It, Richard likes to point out, not this kind of psychologist who helps people, <laughs> but the kind who finds it interesting to study people's quirkiness. You know, So he's an experimental <laughs> psychologist, but, but he brings together, he has a background in theology, I think maybe an MDiv, at least some master. And he brings together those worlds. And, and what he did on this was just so critical. If you've been raised in a heritage where no matter what you say in your head, your heart still tells you that my performance is not enough and things are dangerous between me and God, that's hard to address. And, and just another another sermon, another series on grace and so on, it, it, it doesn't quite get there because it's all coming up here and you've already affirmed that. What has to happen is it's, it's got to sink down into the heart. So what Richard did that I think really landed for people was liken it to uh, anxious attachment syndrome that he as a psychologist sees between children, whether young or old, and parents. In dysfunctional families, even in abusive families, but, but in dysfunctional families, if the child feels like they have to kind of earn a place up with their parent or they're always wondering, am I loved? Am I safe? Can I trust this? Then life's going to be very, very difficult. In contrast, he spoke about his own mother who, who told him, no matter what he did, Richard, I'll always love you. And, and, and we've heard that on the news so many times as, you know, a, a shooter is taken or something, the mother is interviewed and, and the, you can hear the love that's still there. So Richard found this emotional language. And I think it's a word we need to continue hearing. And I want to be delicate with this and, and try to be clear. But an example is that right now, we all know the church needs to re-engage discipleship. I hear that from everybody, and I believe it, that part of why we're at the whim of every political act in our country is we've not been discipled into the way of Jesus. So we're vulnerable. However, <laughs> I, I remember that as our brother Paul worked out the importance of discipleship and living into the way of Christ, he kept anchoring people in to the love of God, the redemption of Christ, the fullness of all things, so that we often, New Testament scholars will say, in Paul, the indicative comes before the imperative, so that you don't wind up with anxious attachment with God, like you know, at the end, I, I will have fallen short. I didn't didn't do enough. No, some voices I hear about discipleship, I think, are re going to reactivate that anxious attachment. And it's mm. always been that there's nothing new about that. But what would be nice would be to find a healthy way to say you are the beloved of God, and in slow ways over the course of lifetime. The joyful way of life is to let that be lived out in you, always in the security of God, always as a daughter of God, a son of God. 
But that's how I think those fit together. So Richard's message was pertinent for people who are trying to figure out the meaning of the death of Jesus, pointing out that he didn't have to change God's mind. Uh, God has loved us from the very beginning. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But it's also significant for those of us who know the church needs to re-engage a life of, of living in the way of Jesus. So I, I, I would encourage people uh, to go back and listen to it. I had, I had a mature Christian person, a leader, tell me the other day that he's listened to it four or five times. And it's funny because there can't be anything in that message that this person doesn't know in, in his head but it's finding a way to slip down into his heart. Oh, I, I think that's so true for me, Mike. I was sitting there listening to that and that, that message. And, and were those things I, I know intellectually and that I, I've known? Yes, but R Richard drove the point home in just a way that connected with both my heart and mind that I, this is no slight to any other speaker. I, there were oh, no. some yeah, great no. speakers, but that is, the the message I have texted a link to to more people than I think I ever remember. Yeah, and and I but by the way, your response to that is about as powerful as that message. And and this whole idea, you, you really hit on something that's important because there is a great interest in, and I have an interest in, and as a guy in ministry, um, discipling well and learning how to do that well. But boy, the need to do that out of our security in the Lord and yeah. out of his great love, that our performance isn't directed at getting us to a place where we please him enough or find our security and always yes. doing right. That, that is just something we need to hear over and over again. You mentioned my response. An awkward part of my response was my need to get up and say a word about my beloved friend, Jimmy Allen, you know, who died a few years ago. But, but Richard is right. Jimmy's sermon, What is Hell Like?, just got it got embedded in people it yeah and i know I, I know people maybe they misunderstood part of what jimmy was saying but on their deathbeds there, there was a fear about that and richard pointed that out and richard he's not he didn't hate jimmy nothing like that but i just felt jimmy was my professor when i was at harding and then i was his preacher for many years and he you know he was a kind wholesome man um, preaching his deepest convictions but what Richard said was right I mean it yeah. was right that you, we are always we hope. are the beloved of God and yes amen. and our life of transformation comes out of that safe secure relationship we do not need an anxious attachment with God yeah amen Hey, everybody, we'll be right back with the rest of this episode. We want to take a moment to thank Mission Alive and Central Christian College of the Bible for sponsoring this episode. Mission Alive equips leaders to start innovative communities of faith focused on transforming marginal communities. They provide church planning training, apprenticeships, consulting, and discipleship cohorts, among other resources. They can also train you to be a nationally accredited coach through Catalyze Coach Training. This 28-week credential will equip you to impact and transform your church, organization, leadership, and ministry. Learn how God can transform your life and ministry by going to missionalive.org. That's missionalive.org or emailing them at contact at missionalive.org. And Central Christian College of the Bible has low-cost, innovative, and flexible master's programs 
in ministry leadership and preaching that they want you to know about. These two-year programs are designed to be one-third online, one-third on campus, and one-third supervised ministry by an expert in your interest area. The mentoring courses can offer credit in your local ministry. Graduates like Dr. Don Mahardy and Jonathan Curtis are impacting the kingdom in deeper, more meaningful ways because of their education at CCCB. So find out more at cccb.edu front slash graduate. That's cccb.edu front slash graduate. I'd heard uh, What Is Hell Like? I had the book in my library before I went to Harding, and then I sat in Jimmy's classes on Romans and his, boy, his heart for the grace of God and undenominational Christianity so shaped me that I almost felt like I was hearing, I was sitting at the feet of somebody who taught differently that that was just characterized by that sermon by so many people. He wrote me my first reference letter. And, uh, so I remember when, when Richard brought that up in the message, I remember you yeah, had that book. So shaped my thinking about this, this person and here, then they, right. They offered so much more. Well, right. W- what a blessing in, in so many ways. Let's talk a little bit more about Harbor and uh, the unity of the church here, here churches and church leaders and just everyday followers of Jesus are facing a pretty difficult season to learn how to be disciples in an increasingly what we often call post-Christian society, uh, in light of where the church and the culture finds itself, as we look towards the future, do you see Harbor having a place in serving and uniting the broader Stone Campbell movement and and beyond? And and if so, tell us a little bit about that. Happy to. Um, I think that Harbor was born especially for Churches of Christ. Uh, so I want it to be a national conversation, especially for leaders of Churches of Christ. That's that's the faith heritage of Pepperdine. It's the one I know best. I probably speak that 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 language the best. Just like the NACC for 80 years or however long it went on was primarily for people from the independent Christian churches and the disciples have gatherings and, and so on. That's primary. But that doesn't mean there can't be a secondary. And so we, we have tried to broaden it. Um, I, I, it's been wonderful to have influential leaders, uh, from other branches come. I love that one year, Nick Zola, one of our new Testament professors who comes out of international churches of Christ led a discussion about the growing uh, unity that could happen between the ICOC and churches of Christ. He's on our board, by the way. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Such a good guy. A a, a former TA of mine, but I have so many Mm. examples of where this student far outgrew the teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was just mentioning another to Sarah about one of her teachers, Heather Gorman, these wonderful former uh, teaching assistants of mine who are just far surpassed me. Um, We've heard from Gene Apple and Bob Russell and and uh, Dave Stone and and other, I can't think of all of them right now from uh, independent Christian churches. Uh, I'm hoping to get Joel Brown this next year, the new uh, director of the Disciples uh, Historical Society. That'd be wonderful to get him to come. But e- even then, beyond that, you know, to hear other influential voices um, who who have been who've come and taught us. I've loved that. I'll. I'll forever remember uh, the year that Tom Wright came 
And I just worked him like a plow horse. He, he agreed to it. This was enough years ago. I get maybe Tom was a little stronger pre-COVID, but uh, he not only did a keynote, the opening night keynote, uh, not only taught three days and smothers, but I think he did nine classes where uh, ministers were allowed to sign up and spend spend an hour asking Tom Wright whatever question they had. And he was wonderful, kind, generous. In, in my mind, I, I guess N.T. Wright's the at least a preeminent scholar, if not the preeminent New Testament scholar in the world. But, but his kindness was there, patiently answering everyone's questions. Uh, some of them theological, most of them, a few pastoral. And uh, it was funny that year because everybody found a way to get a picture with Tom Wright, you know. Including and, me. Uh, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, why, why wouldn't you? We had him there. But, but there have been many others that I've, I've uh, been able to have come. And I've, that's been a, wonderful to hear from other voices. Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but can you just talk some more about how you brought in a diversity of speakers that cross denominations and genders and race and also generational boundaries? How, how have you faced the oppositions in crossing those? Um, and can you share some stories of how crossing those have been a blessing? Sure. The biggest boundary uh, uh, that I crossed early on uh, was including women in doing keynote sermons. Um, that, that was hard for some people that, um, in, in the beginning. And fortunately, this is not 30-year-old Mike. It's, you know, it's 60-something-year-old Mike. And, and so I was able to have discussions with people where I tried to change the temperature in the room, a lot of common grounds, cups of coffee, long phone conversations, and with some, it was even to say, look, I understand that you just can't do this. So you, you might not be able to go to that session. I, I hope you can. Um, but, but if you can't, especially for right now, I would get that. But please come on to the lectures. I, my guess is not that many people go to every single lecture uh, anyway. But that was the one that, um, that caused the most time on my behalf to talk to people about with others. It's been, there's been surprisingly little, um, controversy with, with one speaker. There was some because of some internet controversy that I didn't even know about before. So that one kind of blindsided me a little bit, but mostly people just receive it as a blessing. We're reading Walter Brueggemann, why wouldn't we want to actually uh, to meet him? Soon Chan Ra uh, in 2022, his stuff on the new evangelicalism, his guidance to the church in, in handling issues of race and so on. He was gentle, playful, wonderful. This year, Esau Macaulay, who wrote the book Reading While Black, uh, did such a great job in his classes. But then I was in a setting where he was with about 50 ministers who'd been in one of our Lilly projects. And he just told his life story. It, it was kind, but honest. And um, I've, I've been blessed by these speakers who have who have come from outside. Um, I don't want to jump over your question, Sarah, about intergenerational. I uh, we, we have intentionally tried to include people who are 
young and people who are older, I, I think it's easier probably to lean into those who are younger, you know, who are kind of in, this is not the right term for the setting, but kind of career building mode, you know, people who are anxious to come and speak and glad to be invited someplace. But I've tried to intentionally uh, invite older voices to come in. One of the most influential leaders in churches of Christ has worked largely outside the, you know, the Bible Belt church area. His name's Landon Saunders. And I think when Landon was 80, he may have been 81, 82, but I think when he was 80, he gave one of our, our keynote speeches and it's, it'll be one of the most memorable ones, but it was kind of nice to have this, this elder statesman come and call us to the world on, on Christ's behalf. Well, Mike, we appreciate the, the, the so many hats you've worn through the years and uh, ways you've, you continue to serve, um, churches of Christ and, and beyond. And hopefully, you know, after, after being a part of this podcast, even more people are introduced not only to Harbor, but to some of the other things we've talked about, some of the names you've mentioned and resources. And we hope when Harbor gets close, you'll come back and uh, talk about the upcoming program and share that with our listeners. Thank you. I'd love to. I'd love. I'd love for people to come April thirtieth to May third in two thousand in twenty twenty four. Have you got a theme already, or are you still working on that? Have to declare that. No, no, no. I'll do it right here. Uh, I I hope to be able to announce uh, mid July. I think it will be on the book of Hebrews. Uh, I'm still working on the title. Years ago, Dr. James Thompson from ACU wrote an influential little book called Strategy for Survival. So I'm playing with some themes about that when the world is changing, when it feels like things are not as glorious as they may have been a decade or two ago. How, how, how does one find resources for renewal? That, that seems to be much oh. of what Hebrews is about. So just oh, because of the true. timing of our churches right now, I'm leaning in that direction. Well, I've got that book somewhere on that shelf, one <laughs> yeah. of these shelves over here. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah, well, so we might be able to say he said it here first. Yeah. So, yeah, you well, just go out and announce it and I'll change my mind in a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are, there's Mike, there are so many other things we'd love to talk to you about. And we, we continue this conversation. We'll have you, we hope you'll come back and visit with us again. Um, but we want to have a little fun with you before you, you get away. Sure. And we, we've been doing these lightning rounds that uh, are fun and give our listeners opportunity to get to know you at a little different place and a little different uh, level. So, uh, our lightning round, you know, I'll throw a question at you, then Sarah will do one, and then I'll do one, and we'll okay. do this for all. Does that sound good? Yeah. I don't know that I have a lightning round kind of mind, but we'll give it a try. <laughs> that That's all right. We uh, there, There's no no time clock on this. So who's your favorite cartoon character? Uh, I have two. Up until noon, it's Tigger. Afternoon, it's Eeyore. <laughs> I'm a morning person. I love the morning. I love 4 a.m. I love 9 a.m. From noon on, I am I am becoming Eeyore with each hour. <laughs> so next time, let's record this in the morning. round, mind. Let's record this in the morning. Make a note of that. I'm in very Eeyore. Make a note of that, right John. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Go ahead, Sarah. Sushi or never sushi? Oh, sushi. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, especially if I know this is a reputable place and, and I've, I've heard others refer to it, but I love sushi. Yep. 
All right. What's your favorite ethnic food? Can we count Tex-Mex? We will. We'll, we'll log if, that. if not, then I'll go with Mexican food. But I'm located in West Texas, so I would say that. All right. Oaxacan Mexican. I also love there are lots of Mexican food, but but that's always the go to. Give me something with chips and salsa, or chips and guac. So if I'm if you come out and see see us in San Diego, not a Cali Mex. Got to be a Tex Mex then. We well, that. no, there. I, I love some San Diego uh, Mexican food. I'll say that. <laughs> okay, we'll, yeah. we'll remember that. <laughs> what is number one on your bucket list? Number one on my bucket list. You know, I got started years ago. Um, I wanted to become bilingual and, and I, I felt like I was starting to get there and then life came unhinged, uh, with, with, a, a couple things, especially we had, a uh, back toward the end of my work, my ministry at Highland, there was a wreck and it involved our family and other families and so on. And it, I just got off track. The funny thing, Kevin is, I don't know if you remember this. The last time I preached at a church in Spanish was at your church. You guys had there was a yes. third service it was easter right it it, it was the third right. service and i got in there and i was so tired and i got about five minutes into it and i turned to the the kind person on the front row and says i can't do this and that was it that was the last time i tried to preach in spanish so so sarah that would be my goal someday i'd like to actually uh, i doubt if i'll ever be fully bilingual but i'd like to uh, to go back to those studies and expand well because i'm at a church with a lot of spanish speakers i i do practice my duolingo but i still need an interpreter when i preach there so <laughs> yeah all right so what is your favorite go-to pastime um i i'm a lifelong runner and i just i i find it an important rhythm in my day it's not a chore i um Sometimes I'm building up to things and sometimes it's just uh, chugging out, but I, it's a time to listen to great music and um, sometimes to podcasts, but I, that, that's a default thing for me. I know for some people there, an, another form of exercise may just sound burdensome, but that, that's a one that's part of my life. How far do you run each day? You know, it depends on if I'm building up or down or anything right now. Right now, I'm not building anything. So usually three miles in the morning, again, with great music playing. Yeah. Throw one more to him, Sarah. All right. All right. Given a choice, would you choose, this is the most important one, cake or pie? You also have to tell us what kind, of course. Yeah. It, this one's not even close. It's uh, it's pie, and it's going to be first blueberry second cherry, third apple, but, but it's going to be pie. Not that I would say no to cake. <laughs> Mind you. I am, I am my father's son. I was, I was taught well by, by Kenneth Cope. And uh, so I, I, I'm a dessert lover, which is probably why I had to become a runner my whole life, but, um, but always pie, always choosing pie. Yeah. And best to eat it. First. It's funny. I've passed that down to my sons and my grandkids, some of them. So quite often we don't have birthday cake in our family. We have birthday pie. Oh, I, I think I can that's fellowship awesome. with you at that level oh, right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's a critical one. Me too. One. Me too. <laughs> kind of one last question. We, we ask our guests this often. Our, our motto is unity starts with a cup of coffee, uh, that it, it starts with, you know, getting together and at a relational level, getting to know one another. If Sarah and I were to be in Abilene and we said, hey, let's all get together and have coffee. How do you take your coffee? 
I started drinking coffee at the age of 55. Believe, believe it or not. I, I don't know why I thought I didn't like it. And I was teaching at ACU. Uh, one semester I had a kind of earliest class and one morning I passed Pete's and thought, I might try a cup of coffee. <laughs> and since then, I've been, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to overindulge. So now I'll have three or four cups every morning. Uh, if you and Sarah were here, I'd invite you up to my office here in Abilene. And uh, we this is where we'd have it. And um, I'd have it black. You could have it however you wanted. That was another thing. I started so late. I just started. You went with, to the... Yeah. I just thought... The hard stuff right off the bat. Like, yeah. <laughs> no tempering that with sugar or cream. Well, I got to respect yeah. that. Well. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? You're you're with us here for the... I, we've never asked you that question. This is... How, you, I know. How do you take your gonna, coffee? It's going to be a hot take. I, I'm more of like a latte kind of gal. I, I'm not a black coffee person. <laughs> I I rather hey, like my coffee. Hey, good. <laughs> I like my coffee to be like a more like a light, like brown, like a tan. I don't, I don't, I don't do the straight black coffee. I also really like cold <laughs> brew though. So I, I like cold brew a lot. So I'll drink that. So. All right. Well, if Sarah comes, Mike, I hope you have your office well stocked. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I can cover that request. <laughs> we may have to bring our own. I, I can do a Keurig or a pour over, but I don't know that. Yeah, I'm afraid it would be, be a bring your own latte. Well, Mike, thank you for your time. We, we've yeah, sure yeah, enjoyed good to be with the, you guys. Thank you for yeah, inviting anything me. you'd like to say before we get away. No, other than I, I, I love the focus of the podcast that there is uh, there's something that we have in common, and it it is increasingly found by sitting down and getting to know each other and listening to each other, and it happens at that level more than it happens just debating it out. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Well, thank you, and Sarah, thank you for co-hosting. We thank look, you for we having look forward me. To spending more time with you. And we pray God's blessings on your, your endeavors there in New Hampshire and then as you go back to school. Thank you so much. All right. We hope you'll join us next week. We'll have another conversation, and we uh, hope you're a part of that. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax-deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless, and remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.